two classic tales from the suspense vault, my friend. Fear paints a picture, and mates, it most certainly does. A tale about madness, insecurity, money, and family. Not is all as it seems, my fellow listeners. Not is what it seems indeed. And our second tale, a picture without a face. Full of mystery, subterfuge, mind manipulation, and trickery. A whodunit with a twist. And you might have guessed already, but the theme for today's old-time radio episodes is... Paintings that carry heavy meanings to our protagonists tonight. And as always, these episodes have been heavily remastered for your brilliant ears. Less pops, less clicks, and no ear-gouging loud noises. And of course, a big thank you to my Earl Grey Enforcers, Chad Warren, Joss Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Cresanto, Mace Joe, Michael Angelo Iacone, Paige Marcini, and Peter Raffaelli. And a very, very special thank you to my white tea warlord, Matthew J. Bauer. You keep the podcast lights glowing and my hungry computer's electronics pulsing. You are awesome. Folks, I'm always trying to find ways to add value to my Patreon supporters. And recently, I've added high bitrate audio, super duper quality audio streams on my Patreon page for Patreons only. So, if you want to hear stories and old-time radio episodes in crazy good quality, all you have to do is swing on by and donate $1 per month. That's it. And I'll be adding loads more perks in the future. Lastly, I want to kick off this week with an iTunes review, specifically regarding the most recent Robot AI episode I did last week. This one's by Wayo Nana B. I very much enjoyed the variety and quality of the stories. Boredom with this podcast has certainly never been an issue for me. Today's AI stories made me laugh and were a fun way to start the day. The reader's voice is another big plus. Thank you so much, Wayo Nana B. That goes straight to my heart. Cheers. Now turn the lights off, the sound up, and get ready for some classic suspense. Suspense. There is a picture hanging on a wall. You look at it casually. An extraordinary picture, you will say, skillfully done. Look at those fine brush strokes, those superb colors. But isn't the subject matter a little bizarre? It is something more than just bizarre. But let us begin from the beginning with the death of Benjamin Powell, a rich and strange man. There were dark rumors about the Powell. His wife had died many years ago. No one knows how. But Benjamin Powell had a daughter, Julia, a high-strung and neurotic girl. And many of us wondered about her, too. Benjamin Powell died. And in his last will and testament, he made Julia heir to all his considerable fortune, except that... But let me read you the will. I, Benjamin Powell, being of sound mind and in full possession of all my faculties, hereby request that after my death, my daughter Julia live with Mr. Harvey Lyons, my lifelong friend, until her 23rd birthday at which date all my worldly belongings will come into her possession, provided that nothing untoward happens to her by that time. But in the event that she is incapable of taking over my estate upon her 23rd birthday, I hereby appoint Harvey and Laura Lyons as my final heirs, there being no other living blood relatives, and trust to their judgment that they will take care of Julia adequately and with kindness. Signed, Benjamin Powell. Three months later, seated around the huge, ornate fireplace of the dark wainscoted living room, are three silent people. The heavy drapes that run from the high ceiling to the floor move softly in a gust of wind. For the past quarter hour, no one has spoken. Harvey reads his newspaper, Laura knits with nimble fingers, and Julia... 
Julia stares with unseeing eyes at an unopened book. You're not reading, Julia. I'm not concentrating. Are you feeling all right? I'm all right. You do look a little tired, Julia. Perhaps you'd better get some rest. I'm not tired, Harvey. I've been wanting to ask you... In a week, Julia will be 23. Isn't that wonderful, Harvey? Next Tuesday's her birthday. We'll have a party. I'll get old Tom and his fiddle, and we'll have a real old-fashioned party. Harvey, what did Father mean by the will? The will? Julia, perhaps you'd better go to bed. You look a little pale. The will said I might not be able to take over the estate by my 23rd birthday. What does it mean? I, I don't remember that. I didn't read the will very carefully. Yes, you did, Harvey. You know what I'm talking about. Perhaps we'd better discuss it in the morning. You're tired, I'm Julia. not tired, Laura. Please, Julia. I'd rather you wouldn't ask me. That's a delicate handkerchief, Julia. Twisting it will only tear the lace. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize it. It's one of your best handkerchiefs. It's no use, Laura. I've got to know. You're a very high-strung girl, Julia. And I'd rather not upset you before bedtime. Upset me? You sort of get moody very often, Julia. Harvey. Laura. I'm not going to bed until I find out what all this means. I've got to find out. You you don't like your room, do you? No, I don't. It's too big. The wallpaper. I don't like the pictures on the wall. There's nothing wrong with a big room. Everyone prefers a large room. Everyone likes pictures on the wall. Well, maybe it's the kind of pictures. Yes, it's the pictures. They, they rub me the wrong way. You see, your feelings about things are different. Different from the feelings of normal people. Normal people? Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't... I can't stand this torturous way of telling her. I'll tell you, Julia. Your mother died in an asylum. She went mad after her 23rd year. It's been in the family for generations. I never saw my mother. I, I thought... We didn't want to tell you this. I wish we hadn't, but you forced us. You mean... I'm liable to become... Insane? Well, you see, any one of us can become insane. There, there's nothing wrong with me. I, I'm perfectly all right. I'm as sane as anyone. Being high-strung doesn't make me mad. I I don't like it here. I, I don't like this house. I'm sane. I, I'm sane. Of course you are, Julia. There's nothing the matter with you. You'll be all right. Your father wasn't sure, that's all. You're as sane as any of us. Come along. I'll take you to your room. We'll have a cup of tea together. How is she, Laura? She's calmed down. Is she asleep? No, Harvey, she's reading. That must be Dr. Barrows. I'll open the door. Hello, Dr. Barrow. How do you do, Mr. Lyon? Come in, come in. Thank you. This is my wife, Laura. How do you do? I'm glad to meet you, Doctor. Let me take your things. The maid will have your room ready in a few minutes. That's very good of you. Here, sit down and make yourself comfortable. Thank you. Well, how's Julie? She's been very moody lately. Very moody. She seems so unhappy. I've tried to draw her out, but I haven't been much good at it. Is she still uh, grieving over her father's death? No, it isn't that. I, I don't think she likes our house. She has some queer ideas about her room. And the wallpaper. She doesn't like that. She doesn't like the pictures on the wall, either. I've caught Julia several times staring into the mirror. Looking at herself with hate. Mm -hmm. I've heard her talking to herself very often. That's nothing. All of us talk to ourselves once in a while. I don't know, Doctor. I don't think she's very stable. There are things that go on in her mind that she won't talk about. All of us keep things to ourselves. Things we never talk about. Mr. Powell described Julia's case to me just before he died. I've had occasion to observe her just once. Oh, you knew Mr. Powell, did you? Oh, yes, for quite a number of years. I treated his wife. Poor Mrs. Powell. She went mad. Started somewhat the same way as Julia. Oh, I wouldn't make that comparison. So far, there's no basis for any such theory. Well, then, let's say that Julia has strong dislikes. Uh, took a hate to the pictures in her room. Pictures, eh? Um, I'd like to go up and see her. She's not asleep. Well, I guess it's all right. She's not asleep yet. Her room's the second from the right as you reach the top of the stairs. Thank you. I'll just stop in for a few minutes. Come in. Hello, Julia. You remember me, don't you? 
No, not exactly. I'm Dr. Barrow, friend of your father. I treated your mother. My mother? No, no, don't be alarmed. I'm staying with your guardians for a few weeks. Do you mind if I come in for a few minutes? No. Well, this is a fine room, Judah. A very comfortable one. I don't like it. It's too big, makes me uncomfortable. Nonsense. You're just imaginative. You think someone might be hiding in here while you're asleep. Is that it? It, it isn't that. Don't you like that picture, Julia? What picture? The one you're staring at. I, I wasn't staring at it. I just... Just looking at it, eh? Looks like a fine painting. I don't like it. I'm... I'm going to have it removed. You kind of you like, Julia, but I don't think you should. It's an unpleasant picture. It gives me nightmares. Look at it. That frightful-looking man about to come through the doorway and, and the unsuspecting girl sitting in a chair with her back towards him. <laughs> He's not frightful-looking at all. It's just the black scarf around his neck. He's about to kill her. You certainly have a vivid imagination. I'm sure the artist had no such idea in mind. I hate the picture. I'm going to ask Harvey to take it out of here. No, Julia. You mustn't be afraid of it. The longer you keep looking at it, the less afraid of it you'll be. You've got to conquer your fears or, or they'll conquer you. Well, that picture has a horrible fascination for me. I can't take my eyes from it. Last night, I, I dreamed that the man in the picture came through the door with a knife in his hand and killed a girl. It was an awful dream. But that was only a dream. If I take that painting off the wall, you'll find other things to be afraid of. Now, you do as I say. Forget about that picture. Get a good night's sleep. Nothing like a good night's sleep to lift your spirits. If that picture fascinates you, keep looking at it. Don't be afraid of it. Will you do that? Yes, Dr. Barrow, if you say so. That's fine. I'll see you in the morning. Good night, Junior. Good night. In this big rambling house of Harvey Lyons, midnight came and went. One by one, the lights went out. And soon the whole house was blackened by the cover of night. Not a single light gleamed from any window. Not a single sound. The ominous rumble of an approaching thunderstorm. Julia's room, the large room with its many pictures. She was dreaming. Dreaming again of the man in the picture. The figure with the flowing black scarf is alive. And his hands grow longer and longer. Julia tosses in her sleep as if trying to avoid him. Trying not to look at him. dream. That awful picture. What was that? There's someone in this room. Someone's hiding in this room. The light. Where's the switch? Where is it? Oh, here. There's no one here. It's coming from the ceiling. From up above me. Imagination. There's nobody there. This hour, nobody. I've got to go back to sleep. Doctor Barrow said I need sleep. I. Julia, what happened? Julia, out here in the hallway. Pull yourself together, Julia. She saw a man in one of the paintings move. Oh, I see. He did move. I saw it. He's not, not outside the door anymore. He's inside. You dreamed that, Julia. That's what I said. It wasn't a dream. Thunder wakened me. I, I woke up and heard footsteps coming from the ceiling. I thought it was my imagination, and then I looked at the picture. The picture I told you I didn't like, Doctor. The man was inside the room. That's hardly possible, Julia. Figures and pictures can't move. Of course not. It was just a bad dream. No, it's true. I saw it. Come along, Julia. We'll all take a look at the picture. No, I, I don't want to go back no, into the room. No, no, no. There's nothing to be afraid of. Come on, Julia. Don't be frightened. You've got to fight off these delusions. Here, give me your hand. Come along. Well, now, what picture was it? The one near the bed. Oh, yes, the picture by Gregory. It's one of our oldest paintings. Well, there it is. It's the same as I saw it a few hours ago. Look at it, Julia. I, 
can't believe it. The man with the black scarf is still outside the door. And he'll stay there until that picture crumbles to dust. I could have sworn I saw him inside the room approaching the girl. Dreams can be very vivid. And there are no footsteps coming from the storeroom. I, I must be out of my mind. I, I could have sworn... It's nothing I... at all, Julia. All of us occasionally have vivid, realistic dreams. Once I dreamed I was being chased by a herd of elephants. It was so real I heard the thundering footsteps even after I woke up. It was so... Delusions can be very real you do and believe... horrifying. You do believe, don't you, Julia, that it was only a nightmare? Yes, I... I think so. If Julia wants to, I'll take the picture out of her room. I don't think it's wise. You have to fight these unreasonable fears. That's true, Julia. Never give in to them. Well, I, I go crazy if I keep looking at that picture. It might be the other way around, Julia. If you run away from it, the mental disease prevalent in your family will take firm hold in you. You'll get worse and worse, as Dr. Barrow says, until you'll be afraid of your own shadow. You'll be afraid of everything, of everyone you meet. Afraid to be alone, afraid to be with people, afraid of yourself. Afraid of your own clutching fingers. No, no, don't tell me anymore. Please, Mr. Lyons, there's no need for this kind of talk. Julia, look at the picture. It's nothing but some paint on a canvas with a frame around it. There's nothing about it that can harm you. And the danger lies in yourself. You've got to keep staring at it as often as you can by candlelight or in the dark until you've learned to laugh at it. It won't be easy. I'll try. That's fine. I knew you had courage. Get your sedative so that you'll be able to sleep. I'll be all right in the morning. I'm sorry I became hysterical. And I'm sure you won't let yourself go anymore. I promise. You're sure you're not afraid now? No, I, I'll be all right. I'm sure I'll be all right. Well, Julia, it's 11 o'clock. You know what Dr. Barrow says. I'm not at all sleepy, Laura. I, I'd rather stay up for a while. I'm in the middle of a fascinating story. You run along. I'll go to bed presently. Is anything wrong, Julia? Oh, no, of course not. Everything's fine, Laura. You're afraid to go to sleep, aren't you, Julia? No, no, it isn't that. Is that picture bothering you again? Yes. Last night, I, I heard footsteps again. Sound woke me, and the figure in the picture, it, it moved. It moved closer to the girl. Oh, how terrible. Why didn't you call me? We thought you were over it. It hasn't bothered you these past three nights. Oh, I didn't want anyone to know. I took some sleeping tablets and I fell asleep again. In the morning, the picture was the same as ever. That's a brave girl. Laura. Laura, do you think I'm crazy? Of course not. You're as sane as... As sane as I am. Tell me the truth. I must know. You're just nervous and high-strung, and you have a vivid imagination. That's all. You're trying to soothe me. Why didn't you tell the doctor that you thought the picture moved? I was ashamed. You shouldn't be ashamed. Dr. Barrow is here to help you get well. I don't think you are. Oh, that must be Harvey and Dr. Barrow now. Hello, Laura. I've arranged to have old Tom and his fiddle here tomorrow night for Julia's birthday. And I've invited the Grovers. They'll be delighted to come. That is, if Julia's feeling well. Julia, you should be in bed. It's after 11. She's afraid to go to sleep. Please, Laura. It's the footsteps in the picture again, isn't it? Yes, Doctor, it moved again. At least I thought it moved, but I, I went back to sleep. Well, that's an improvement. At least you didn't get hysterical and try to run away like the last time. You were all right for a few nights. It's come back. There isn't much I can do for you, Julia, except to tell you to go to sleep. Fight off these delusions. You've got to do that. Come, Julia. I'll go with you to your room. Well, perhaps you can sleep in my room tonight, Laura. Just tonight. I feel a lot more comfortable tomorrow night. I'll, I'll be able to face it alone much better. No, Julia. That would be an admission of defeat. All right, if you think it's best. Good night. Good night, Julia. Well, keep up your courage. It doesn't look so good, does it, Doctor? Well, not too good, but it's not hopeless. She has an unstable mind, subject to delusions, which become very real to her. Her obsession about the picture is not so bad. We all suffer occasionally from optical illusions. But hearing footsteps coming from the storeroom above her... Storeroom? Like, How did you know there's a storeroom above her? Your wife told me. Oh, of course. Well, that storeroom hasn't been opened in years. 
I guess there's no point in investigating it, is there? I don't think so. Those footsteps, like the moving figure in the painting, are all in her mind. Her mother behaved just like that before she went mad, didn't she? Well, there's some similarity. You haven't been to the storeroom recently, have you? No, I just mentioned to you that it hasn't been opened in years. Oh, yes, so you did. Forgive me for not listening more closely. That's perfectly all right, Doctor. Well, I just hope that Julia will be well for her birthday party tomorrow. Oh, I had no idea she was having a birthday. How old will Julia be? She'll be 23. I must remember to get her a gift. Oh. Well, I guess I'll go to bed. So will I. I'll see you in the morning. But Julia wasn't thinking about her birthday. During the 10 or 15 minutes she spent in Laura's room, fear fluttered in her heart. When she finally stood alone inside her own room, panic, black, unreasoning panic began to take hold of her. In wild haste, she began to undress, never looking at the picture. I won't look at it. I won't. I'll go right to sleep. I'll take some pills and fall asleep. What was that? Oh. It was nothing. Nothing at all. All I have to do is keep from looking at the picture. I won't look at it. It can't do me any harm if I don't see it. I mustn't even think of it. I'll think about the trip I made to South America. It was a wonderful trip. The sunset. What was there? Footsteps. Those footsteps again. I mustn't hear it. I... I mustn't hear it. It was a wonderful trip. The blue Caribbean. Rio's a beautiful city. Sugarloaf Mountain. The music. The dancing. Those footsteps. It's not footsteps. It's just my heart beating. I'll close my eyes. I'll sleep. Sleep. Why can't I sleep? Oh, Lord, let me sleep. I don't want to look at the picture. It won't. I know what I'll see. He'll be closer to her. Maybe he'll have killed her. I mustn't open my eyes. I mustn't. I won't. I... I've got to look at it. It'll do you good to talk. It's the same thing again and again. I I try not to look at the picture. I tried so very hard, but it was hopeless. I had to. The figure with a black scarf was inside the room. A knife in his hands, very close to the girl. But this this time the girl had turned around and it was my face. My face. Did you hear any footsteps? Yes. I heard them as soon as I got into the room. You think it's very real, don't you, Julia? Despite the fact that everyone says it's a delusion. It's very real to me. I I must be really insane. I'm going crazy. Don't say that. It's no use. I'm I'm not getting any better. It's getting worse and worse. Don't give up. You mustn't. Come along. I'll go to your room with you. I'll stay there until you fall asleep. Unless you want to stay here. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Will you stay with me, Laura? Yes, Julia. Come, let's go back. Well, the picture doesn't seem to... What's the matter, Laura? Nothing. Nothing at all. There. Did you hear it? Footsteps? It was probably a board creaking. Now you go to sleep. I think everything will be all right in the morning. You won't leave me. No, Julia. I'll be here. Thank you, Laura. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Laura stayed in Julia's room until she was sure that she was fast asleep. Then carefully, she tiptoed out of the room, closing the door gently behind her. Julia slept peacefully, feeling safe and secure. Several hours passed, and then suddenly Julia awoke. She sat bolt upright and wide awake with her heart pounding away. Laura. Laura, is that you? Laura! Oh, she's gone. She's left me alone. But I'm not alone. Something woke me. A picture. It's the picture. I must look at it again. If he's moved again, I, I don't know what I'll do. I'll turn around and look straight at it. I look straight at it. Oh. He's killed the girl. He stabbed her. He stabbed me. I'm the girl. Oh, I've got to get out. Out. It's no use. I've lost. Lost everything. The reason, my sanity. I can't fight anything more. I can't fight against you and the black scarf. And now you're here. I can touch you. I can feel you. It's real this time. What do you want me to do? No. I won't run away. I won't scream. Do I want to spend the rest of my life in an asylum like my mother? No, I, I don't. I don't. You're pointing at the window. You want me to open the window? Yes. I'll open it. You say it, it will be best for everybody if I jump. The only way out, the only way, I'll do it. I'll do it now, without thinking. It will only take a moment. Julia! 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 Harvey, uh, Laura! We came just in time. I've got her heart. Is she safe? I'm safe. You can come out from behind that chair, my friend. Friend. Come out or I'll shoot. I don't understand. My head's going around in circles. Oh, I can explain everything. I was merely Dr. observing Julia. Barrow. Procedure was a little unusual. I'll do the explaining, I... Dr. Barrow. You tried to drive Julia crazy. Tried to drive me crazy? That's right. He tried to do it with the picture. You're all making a serious mistake. Mistake? Look at the picture. The figure is inside the room stabbing the girl. No, it wasn't your imagination, Julia. He painted several pictures, each one of them with a figure close to the girl. He used the storeroom upstairs. That's why you heard footsteps. I got suspicious when I found a black scarf in his room. And when I looked at the picture a little while ago, it was full of dust. I dusted it off myself a few hours before. Yes, and Dr. Barrow seemed to know there was a storm above you. I couldn't understand how he knew that since it had been closed for years. But why? Why should he want to drive me crazy? Because he's not Dr. Barrow. He's Ralph Powell, your cousin, who disappeared many years ago. Everyone thought he was dead. After I got suspicious, Harvey and I went up to the storeroom and found a lot of pictures he's been painting. This scoundrel is a very talented artist. He's been changing the pictures on the wall. His plan was to drive you insane and then contest the will, since he's your nearest blood relative. Oh, horrible, and I really thought... I, I had no intention of killing Julia. I, I swear I didn't. I, I just wanted to frighten her. Almost jumped out of the window. I might have been dead right now, lying dead outside. Don't think about it, Julia. It's all over now. You're all right. I'm, I'm not insane. Of course not, Julia. Why, I almost forgot. It's already Tuesday. Happy birthday, Julia. How does it feel to be 23 years old? It feels wonderful. And so closes Fear Paints a Picture, starring Nancy Coleman. Tonight's tale of Suspense. Appearing with Miss Coleman were Edwin Maxwell as Harvey Lyons, Fred Mackay as Dr. Barrow, and Beatrice Benaderet as Laura. This is your narrator, the man in black, who conveys to you Columbia's invitation to spend this half hour in suspense with us again next Tuesday, when our star will be Mr. Peter Laurie in the suspense play called... The Moment of Darkness. William Spear, the producer, Ted Bliss, the director, Lucian Marowick, the composer, Lad Gluskin, the musical director, and Sigmund Miller, the author, collaborated on tonight's Suspense. 
This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Roma Wines present Suspense. Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud. Your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the man in black. Here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, to introduce this weekly half hour of suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, Roma Wines bring you Miss Michelle Morgan, Mr. Philip Dawn, and Mr. George Coluris in a suspense play dealing with a painting of a beautiful woman, a lover, and a husband, and with an assassination for which only the death of one of these three could atone. And so with portrait without a face. And with the performances of Michelle Morgan as Colette, of Philip Dawn as the artist Paul Degel, and of George Coluris as Charles Gavot, we again hope to keep you in suspense. It was just twilight as she came out of the cathedral on Fifth Avenue and stood for a moment on the north steps. She looked across 51st Street at the discreet gray building with a discreet bronze sign saying, Fernet Gallery of Modern Art. A richly dressed couple came out of the gallery and the doorman called a taxi. Surely it was safe now. The crowds must be gone. She hurried across the street. Good evening. The gallery's still open for a few minutes, isn't it? Well, I'm sorry, Miss. It's just closing up now. Oh, you can't be. I've come all the way from Boston, and I... Well, I... I'm sorry, Miss. We're half an hour past close, and now we open again at 11 tomorrow. 11? But I can't possibly wait over. Do you think $5 would... No, Miss. I could even go as high as 10 No, Miss. I could even go as high no, as... No, Miss. Oh, but there's a picture on exhibit that I must see. I'd stay only a moment. I must see it, really. It's called... A... I know, Miss. It's called Portrait Without a Face. Half of New York was in to see it today. The other half will be in tomorrow. And if you'll excuse me now... Wait a moment, please. Have... Have you seen the picture? Me? What did I be doing looking at pictures? Wasted time. But I can tell you this. Sure got people talking. One of those critics was in here this morning and you... Hey, hold on, miss. Maybe you can't go in after all. You see that man coming down from Madison Avenue? That's Paul Degel, the artist who painted the picture. And maybe if you had asked him... I... Degel? Oh, no. No, thank you. I've changed my mind. I'll, I'll come back some other time. Taxi! Taxi! Some women like to drive you crazy. Evening, Mr. Duchel. Hello, John. How are you? Thank you, fine. Is the exhibit driving people away? <laughs> that woman seemed to be in an awful hurry. Huh? <laughs> she was trying to get in, sir. In fact, she offered me five dollars if I... She offered me five dollars if I'd let her in, and then she raised it to ten, and Wait, I'd... wait. She offered you money? Did she want to see portrait without a face? That and nothing else, sir. She was pretty insistent about it, too. She must have known about your work in France, Mr. Duchel. Had quite a foreign accent. A foreign I... accent, you said. John, is Mr. Fournier in? Yes, sir, he is. He's in the back. There, there's some men with him. Good. I want to see those men. I want to see them immediately. Gentlemen. Paul. Gentlemen. The woman we were looking for was here tonight. Yes, I'm sure of it. I missed her only by a moment. With every brush stroke I made on this campus, I knew I was bringing her into our hands. I knew she would have to see that portrait. She had to know how much I knew. Gentlemen, she will be back. Paul? Yes, Henry? Will you still have the courage to finish the job when the time comes? When the time comes, I'll kill with as little conscience as I would shoot down the Nazis who have taken France. That portrait 
is without a face, gentlemen, because I couldn't see her face. But she will return and supply that feature. Then we will know her for what she is. She will be back. I'll stake my life on her. Tonight, for suspense, Roma Wines bring you as stars Michelle Morgan and Philip Dorn with George Coloris. You have heard them in the prologue of Louis Pelletier's story, Portrait Without a Face, which is tonight's adventure in suspense. During this intermission of tonight's suspense drama presented by Roma Wines, let us picture a scene in the fashionable restaurant El Patio in Havana, Cuba. From the next table, we hear a Cuban judge of fine wines describe in glowing terms the wonderful climate and soil of our own California. When his American guest points out that his Cuban host has never been to the United States, the Cuban answers, It is true, I've never visited your California, but from only such perfect wine country could come sherry of such superb quality as we have enjoyed. Roma, California sherry. Yes, by their example, wine connoisseurs of many other lands tell you that in Roma wines are all the great qualities that must be present in a wine for great enjoyment. It's for this reason these wine experts of other lands import Roma wines from great distances to be enjoyed as a rare luxury. But for you, this luxury of other lands becomes a daily pleasure because you can enjoy any of Roma wines' many different taste-appealing wine types without additional charge for import duties and expensive shipment from great distance. These two great Roma wine features, superb quality and small cost, have made Roma wines America's largest selling wines. Why put off another day your enjoyment of this splendid quality, such thrilling taste appeal? I'll spell out the name for you. R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Michelle Morgan, Philip Dorn, and George Coloris in Portrait Without a Face, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Where have you been, Colette? For a walk, Charles, along Fifth Avenue. I needed a breath of air. You're lying. You're at the Ferney Gallery. Then I'm lying. I was at the Ferney Gallery. You fool. I told you that they'd kill you once they're sure. Yes, you told me, Charles. I'm going to bed. Did you see the picture? I'm going to bed, Charles. Answer my question. No, I didn't see it. What, the gallery was closed? Yes. Ah, that's good. Good. Uh, well, drink? No, thank you. Don't mind if I do. I haven't minded what you do since the second week of our marriage, Charles. Really? Oh, that distresses me. Well, Colette. Yes? Before you go to bed, there's something here I want you to read. What is it, Charles? This art magazine, my dear, that just came on the newsstands today contains a charming series of reviews of the exhibit at the Ferney Gallery. René Lautrec, the French critic, has done a little piece on the picture that you are so anxious to see. He heads his review, The Murderers. Read it. Please, read Charles. Read it. It'll satisfy your curiosity once and for all. Begin here. This portrait. This portrait without a face is no ordinary canvas. This is a portrait of a crime. A crime etched on the mind of a man who must have been there to see it happen. One cannot describe the portrait in words. Only in action. This way. The artist is sitting in a darkened room. Resting from the noise of a party upstairs in the big house. Yes, the reception for General Vauban, Paris, 1939. Go on. The artist... The artist is resting in the darkened room. Suddenly, there are two shots. The sliding doors to the library open. Standing in the doorway is the silhouette of a woman in evening dress. Charles, I... Give it to me. The woman's back is towards the artist. He doesn't see her face. At the woman's feet is a hand outstretched. The hand of a dead man... Who is the man, Colette? Vaubert. General Vaubert's dead. All this happens in an instant. The picture is photographed on the brain of the artist. A woman in evening dress standing in a doorway, her back turned. That is, portrait without a face. 
Well, that it's time to move boldly. Paul Dechelle will have to be put out of the way now. He knows enough to be dangerous. I suppose it's somewhat of a pity to eliminate such a promising young artist. He might have gone places. <laughs> However, tomorrow morning, you will telephone Paul Dechelle at his apartment. You will tell him you saw his name in the art magazine. You will ask him where he's been all these years. You will say that you must see him. Your voice, and uh, it will tremble just a little, will convey a message he's been waiting to hear all these years. You love him. After all these years, you still love him. Hello? Yes, this is Paul Dugel. Colette, Colette, darling, where are you? Where are you? Yes, yes. Naturally, every day, every moment. Of course. Anywhere you say. Then, the Carlton? The Carlton. What time? One or two? Two. Then, at two o'clock, dear. Till then... Yes, till then. I'm so happy, Colette. Goodbye. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye, Paul. Oh, that was very convincing, my dear. So much sentiment in your voice. See that it doesn't affect your actions. It's your life or his, Colette. So you've told me. Well, remember it. Stand up. Let me have a look at you. Oh, yes. Oh, you're crying, Colette. How touching. The lovers parted. The lovers reunited. April in Paris. Chestnuts in blossom. John, please. <laughs> Wouldn't he love to know you married me? Me, of all people. And how I'd love to see you two meet. Colette, what will you say to him? What can you say, Colette? What can I say, Paul? Nothing for a moment. Just let me look at you. With Monsieur Order now? No, no, not yet. Not just yet. Y yes, wait. Uh, bring us... Bring us two sherries, will you? Uh, thank you, Monsieur. I'm changed, Paul. You can see that. A little. A deepness around the eyes, perhaps. You've been unhappy, Colette. Yes. I wrote to you almost every day for a year. I couldn't answer, Paul. Colette, why did you run away? Oh, you mustn't ask me. Was there anyone? No. No one in my heart. No one ever to fill your place. I thought when you didn't come back that... Oh, darling. You were right to think anything of me. I thought of Charles Gavot. I remembered how insane he was about oh, you. please, Paul, don't talk about Charles. I thought if she ever married Cavour, then... I'm sorry. There's so much I don't know about your life. Four years. Oh, I knew everything about you. <laughs> Press notices. I wanted to be a success. For you, Colette. I followed everything you did. The prison camp, I remember that. When you escaped to this country, your... Your first exhibit here... Mm. I have all the clippings. Oh, I was so happy for you, Paul. I was so glad they believed in you, as I did. Yes, they have been good to me in this country. Very good to me. More than I deserve. No, not more. Only you're just you. I know. I've read the reviews of the exhibit at the Fernet Gallery. Yes, they seem to like that. Paul, I want to see that exhibit. Of course, Colette. Any time. No, not any time. I want you to show it to me tonight. Tonight? Please, Paul. After after the crowds have gone from the gallery, my first look at your work in so many years, I don't want to share it with anyone. I just want there to be you and I. Well, then that's how you shall have it. Darling, of course, I want you to see it. I want you to see every piece in the exhibit. There is one uh, that has attracted considerable attention. Portrait without a face. Oh. Oh, yes. I read about that one. There is much of my life in that painting, Colette. Certainly much of the past four years. But your work on it, it has been so worthwhile. No, no, not entirely. Not just yet. Colette, do you remember the death of General Faubin? Faubin? That was sometime in 1940, wasn't it? 1939. 
the year you left Paris. Oh, yes, that's right. As you recall, Vauban was the greatest advocate of air power. There were people in Paris who hated Vauban and wanted him out, out of the way. Your friend Charles Caveau and his newspapers were the general's bitterest enemies. And do you know a curious thing, Colette? What, Paul? Some of the best people in France were duped by Caveau's newspapers into believing that Vauban was an arch-criminal. Yes, yes, I remember. Briefly, some deluded woman fancied herself a modern Joan of Arc and killed Vauban, thinking she was saving her country. A woman? But they say the crime was never solved. It wasn't, but it will be. I think, uh, very soon. Yes, I'm sure that... <laughs> Forgive me, darling. I hadn't meant to burden you with this. Oh, it is yourself you must not burden, Paul. You have given this matter much of your life. Much of your thought, haven't you? All of my thought, Colette. When I wasn't thinking of you. <laughs> or painting. Painting? When I was painting, I thought of you most. I think that in every picture there was something of you. Sometimes the light on your hair. Sometimes the way you hold your hand. Even in, in portrait without a face? Is there something of me in that one? In, uh, in that one? Uh, uh, two cherries, monsieur. Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, yes, Colette. I think that even in that one there's something of you. And it's very strange because you... Uh, well, anyway, tonight... Uh, tonight you'll see for yourself. To you, darling. To our reunion, Paul. To our reunion. That's what she said, gentlemen. To our reunion. And I wonder if... Well, you are sure, Paul, that I she does not suspect. Positive. She is utterly convinced that I am as blindly infatuated with her as ever. She is convinced that in my blindness I shall step out upon the stage she has set for me. We shall see you as set the stage. We shall see who portrays the victim. It will take courage, Paul. Perhaps. There are not many who have your kind of courage. No. There are not many who have my kind of hate. Or who have waited so long to spend it. But have no fear, gentlemen. You will see that I do not fail. You will be with me tonight. All of you. With you? I do not understand. I should have said you will be present in the wings just off the stage. It's just ten now. In less than an hour, my guest will arrive. Before long, he will come into this room to see the portrait. The room will be quite dark. You will be in the background. There will be no way to... Yes. Wait, which purse are you carrying? That black one on the table. Hand it to me. Good. Just the right size. Ah, oh, don't look so wide-eyed and innocent. You seen a pistol loaded before? Charles, couldn't Red? we? Perhaps it would be best for me to have a look in on you and Degel this evening. Oh, please, Charles. How do I know that you'll do what you're told? Well, you said it was his life or mine. But you're a sentimental fool. You might... We I'll do what I'm told. Very well. Remember, I'll be waiting across the street on the cathedral steps. I'll give you till 11 o'clock. If you're not out at 11... I'll be out. Yes. Yes, you'd better be. Ready to fire. Here's your purse. The pistol. You see? On top. Watch out when you pay the cab fare. Yes, Charles. I'll be waiting for you on the cathedral steps. And you have till 11 o'clock. <laughs> Do you remember this picture, Colette? Oh, Paul, of course. That was the summer we were at Nice. Lovely summer, wasn't it? Oh, so lovely. You see the fishing boat? Lirondelle? <laughs> remember her? <laughs> oh, too well. She made me seasick once. But it was a beautiful summer, Paul. Wonderful summer. Yes. Yes, it was. Well, that's all of the Paris pictures. Now, uh... Now I guess you would like to see the... The portrait. Yes. Now I'd like to see it. It's in the next room. They have given it in uh, a room by itself. Oh. Take my hand, Colette. I've kept the lights out in there. I want you to sit on the bench, then I'll turn the lights on. And you will see the picture as as I saw it. I mean, 
In my mind's eye. Yes, Paul. This way. No, careful. Careful. Two steps down. You are trembling, Colette. I've always been afraid of the dark. Here's the bench. Sit here. No, 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 no. Sit here. You're in front of the picture now. I'm going to turn on the light. Hurry, Paul. I don't like this. I just want to give you the full effect of it. Are you watching? Straight ahead. Yes, Paul. So, may I present then my portrait without a face? Oh, Paul! Oh, Paul. I thought you would find it effective. Now we'll put aside pretense. You know who that woman is. She's Colette. Standing in the doorway of General Vauban's library. The hand of the dead man at her feet is the hand of General Vauban, my friend. The blood on the floor is the blood of Vauban. The blood that is touching the evening slipper of Colette. Stop it, Paul. Stop it. I've waited a long time for you, Colette. Four years. I said then that I would make someone pay for the murder of General Vauban. You have a committee, Colette. We formed it back there in Paris in the dark days just before the war broke out. The committee knows everything about the people who planned the death of Vauban. The committee knows who did the murder itself. Settling with that person has been my special assignment. I have been your special assignment. Your special prize. Is that what you mean? That's what I mean. Oh, I don't care, really. Not now. You cared enough to want to fight back. You came here armed. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't open your purse. I took the trouble to remove the pistol while you were taking off your coat. No, no, not, not this one in my right hand. That's mine. This one. This pistol here. It is yours, isn't it? Yes. French make. Did Charles give it to you? Charles? Yes, Charles. I knew you married Charles. I found it out just before I lost track of you two years ago. I knew you married Charles, and I knew why. And you told me this afternoon... Yes, I made you believe that I didn't know about Charles. I want you to come up here to the gallery. I knew you had to come here to find out how much I knew. Charles was right. He said it was your life or mine. He's very clever, Charles. Do you remember when you first met him? I warned you away. I remember. You were impressed by Charles and his politically wise friends. But you didn't know that Charles had sold out his country. I didn't know. You were duped into believing that Vauban was a traitor. Charles dominated your mind. He controlled you as an hypnotist. They needed someone to murder Vauban, so you were chosen. You were to be the savior of France. <laughs> you exulted in the role and you believed it. Yes, up to the very last. Up to the last moment. Then I didn't see how I could go through with it. I couldn't bear the thought of, of killing a man. You're lying, Colette. No, Paul, no, listen to me. I stood there looking at Vauban, the pistol in my hand. He looked up. He started walking toward me, telling me to give him the pistol. I felt dizzy. Oh, I wanted to run away to... But I... I raised the pistol. There were two shots. And he fell at my feet. I dropped the gun. Then you opened the library door to escape. Yes. I ran out on the terrace and through the garden. I ran blindly and fell. Then I felt a strong pair of arms lift me up. Charles was there. You told him you had killed Faubin. Yes, I begged him to, to take me away. To... I needed someone desperately. He promised me to take me out of France and let me forget. Oh, Paul. Paul, turn out the light on that horrible picture, please. The light stays on, Colette. I want you to keep looking at the picture. That picture was painted for a purpose. And now the purpose is going to be fulfilled. Paul, will you believe that I didn't want to kill Vauban? Four years I've waited, Colette. Now it works out according to plan. I didn't want to kill a man. I didn't want to go away with Charles, but I was in too deep. Paul. Paul, listen to me. I've loved you, always. You must know that. After tonight... After you're coming here to kill me? Open my gun, Paul. Open it up. You'll see that it's empty. I took the shells out on my way here. Why don't you do it, Paul? It's true. I knew I couldn't go through with it. Not this time. Not with you. 
Paul. It's too late, Colette. Paul. Keep sitting on the bench, Colette. Keep looking at the picture. Don't move. I won't. I won't, but you must believe me. Paul. Paul, wait. Just look at the picture, Colette. The picture. Listen. Please listen. I'm telling the truth, Paul. My gun wasn't loaded. Listen. Paul. For you, Dejel. Are you all right? Yes, yes. I'm all right, gentlemen. Gentlemen, may I present the late Monsieur Charles Caveau. Four years. Four years of painting and planning and waiting. Paul, take me out of here. Yes, darling. Colette, I'm sorry I had to do this to you. It was the only way to find him. I knew he was here to kill again. Both of us. Charles? Charles killed Bobin. I picked up the pistol you dropped that night, Colette. It had never been fired. Charles was never certain you would have the nerve to go through with it. At the last moment, he took a hand himself. The shots that killed Bobin were fired from the terrace. In your terror, you believe that you died, did it. Charles let you believe it all these years. Oh, Paul. I knew he would follow you here tonight. I left the door open for him. He came downstairs when we entered his room. He could hear us talking. I wanted him to hear. I needed time, time, Colette. Colette, I'm sorry. That was the only way to meet him face to face. Oh, Paul. Don't ever leave me. Never, never leave me. Never, Colette. We are together now. For always. But before we go, there's one thing left. You see this knife? For us, that is the end of Portrait Without a Face. And so closes Portrait Without a Face, starring Michelle Morgan, Philip Dorn, and George Coloris. Tonight's tale of Suspense. Miss Morgan is currently being seen in Warner Brothers' Passage to Marseille. Mr. Dorn appeared through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, producers of Madame Curie. You know, if we could bring to this microphone a man typical of all Roma wine dealers, this is what he might tell you. I sell a lot of good Roma wines. Oh, you mean the other guy. <laughs> Sorry. I sell a lot of the good Roma wines. They are, you know... I do know. America's largest selling wines. My Roma wine customers, I've noticed, are sociable people who enjoy entertaining friends. Ah, yes, I too enjoy entertaining friends. Talking with me, they give a lot of credit for the success of their entertaining to the enjoyable Roma wines they serve. That may be an offhand insult, buddy. <laughs> They're thrifty people, too, these buyers of Roma wines. You're making them sound like a different species. What else could offer so much enjoyment for so little cost? Only pennies a glass by actual check. Pennies a glass. Is it really wine? Now, that doesn't leave much for me to add, except this, perhaps. A disclaimer? If you are not already one of the millions enjoying Roma wines regularly, make your own taste test of any of Roma wine's many different taste-delighting California wine types, such as the delicious tangy Roma sherry, or the hearty Roma burgundy, or the sweeter, heavier Roma port. And discover for yourself why Roma wines are winning international praise. Voiced in this phrase, Roma wines are truly magnificent. Let me repeat the name. R-O-M-A. Roma wine. Thank you for the assist in spelling Roma, mate. <laughs> Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Well, listeners, Fear Painter Picture had me guessing. I was thinking the whole time, was it the family... Was it the doctor? Was it really her mind playing tricks on her? And I couldn't help but feel that at any point our gal was in immediate danger. The fact that she nearly jumped out of the window is terrifying. I guess all that pressure at the time didn't allow her to think straight. Did you guess it in the end? I think I knew it was the doctor after the slip about the storeroom, but what his agenda was, I couldn't guess it then. 
seeing as he wasn't part of the will. So yes, I was seesawing back and forth, and in the final reveal, it all made sense. And the portrait without a face was just brilliant. Once you think you got the killer figured out, the story pulls a hit and run, leaving you wondering what just happened. The twist at the end regarding hypnosis, this was such a trope of the 40s that I couldn't help but say out loud, oh wow, during my listening of this episode. <laughs> just great, folks. This Wednesday, I'm going to do something more sinister, and Friday, I'm going to do something uniquely different. Also, next Friday, I'm going to be asking for your vote on which topic you would like your artificially created stories to be based around. For example, it could be a topic or subject about cabbages. Um, a cabbage was late to a vegetable meeting because he couldn't find his keys. They had fallen out of his pocket. And then let the AI do the rest. <laughs> Crazy stuff like that, mates. Once I have the survey created, I'll attach it to the podcast episode for each episode, so it's easy for you to find. Then you can start voting. I am looking forward to this. Okay, you brilliant people. Stay awesome, which isn't hard for you guys and gals. And as always, till next, we meet.